This is a Rooster Teeth production. Do you believe in time travel? This was the question that people on the internet faced in the year 2000, when a user by the name of Time Travel Zero began posting on forums warning everyone of the strange, bleak future from which he came. Today, we discuss the internet's most popular time traveler, John Titer. This is Red Web. Welcome back to another episode of Red Web. As always, I'm your host and mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and with me, our resident, uh, what would you say? Uh, just ain't about it. Ain't about our resident ain't about it, Alfredo Diaz. <laughs> Skeptic, so wait, I'd say. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, like what? I feel like mm-hmm. we have reached that stage in like a video game where it's just like you know what? Forget it. Let's just add in rocket launchers. Time travel? Like this is this is this show's gone off the rails. You think we jumped the shark already? I mean, I don't know. You, I have no idea what we're getting into. It just—it was just so crazy. We're just like, okay, this person—he like maybe robbed, um, you know, on a plane, and this yeah. this person, these went, these people went hiking, yeah. and now just like time travel, right? Just <laughs> immediately, what are we, we what went are we to getting into? this one goes to eleven, Alfredo. So John Titer is an internet classic. And I'm going to go ahead and address this. There's a lot of different ways that people pronounce his name. And because his name is on the internet and was rarely spoken, people say Teeter. They say Titter. I've heard Titer. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways that this name has come together. Throughout this episode, I'll be using John Titer because that's what I've come to hear the most. Um, If that bothers you, I just wanted to recognize that at the top. Uh, But yeah, this is a classic. Um, This is a man who hit up internet forums in the early, early days of the internet and had a lot of really interesting stories and claims and predictions about the world that he came from, about the world that he has since gone back into, and uh, and his science that he tries to use to explain everything that's going on. It's all very fascinating. I mean, there's got to be something that he says or shows, some you know, that has people scratching their heads right otherwise we wouldn't be talking about this this wouldn't be a big thing right you 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 would think that with a time traveler just wait a couple years and uh and it'll just be false or it'll be true and we'll all freak out and realize time travel is real but there's a couple things that he does in his Uh explanations to me that give him a little bit of wiggle room that leave room for interpretation which is why i think there's so much to grab onto Mm -hmm. here it, it leaves a little bit of vagueness, a little bit of, a little bit of complex science, a lot of buzzwords, perhaps. But we'll right. dive into that. We'll dive into that. Just but, like saying, like, "Hey, 2020 is gonna be a terrible year," and it's just like, oh, you know, or like 2021 yeah. is gonna be a terrible year. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess this was terrible, that was terrible, but like, some people could take that as, "Oh my goodness, he predicted it." Like, right. I mean, there's like the Mayan calendar saying that everything is going to end in 2012, something very specific that we all waited for, right? Or Y2K, everything's going to mess up in 2000. These are very specific claims that once that year comes and goes that you go, well, all right, well, maybe it wasn't accurate. Maybe it's not real. But you'll see over the course of this uh, explanation, the, the claims he makes, and, and it's not like an excusable thing. It's not like he's making up excuses. There's 
there is wiggle room within his own theory, which allow people to go, well, oh, hold on a second. I mean, maybe maybe he's right, but because he has said something, the butterfly effect. Anyway, we'll, we're getting into the weeds. We'll dive into it and we'll kind oh of discuss goodness. as we yeah. go. But I also want to say at the very top here, as we like to have little disclaimers at the top, a majority of these forum posts on which Titer posted, uh, many of them have been lost to time. Uh, they've been reconstructed chronologically as much as possible by other users on the internet. But despite their best attempts, it's very hard to pin down some of these um, because it's old internet forums, not a lot of archives. So some of this data is lost to time. But okay. the things he posted, the things he claimed are still there. And, uh, and we have as best is of a it, timeline as we can construct. So it's more so like the words that he leaves us with are intact, mm -hmm. but it's more the timeline of it. Yeah, it, when he says things and what he is saying are two different things. So we mostly have accurately what he has said, and okay. then as accurately as possible, we have when he said it. Ah, uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back, way back. 1998, July 29th. A radio show by the name of Coast to Coast AM. It's a late night paranormal themed radio show hosted by Art Bell. He receives a fax during one of the open timeline segments. This person who sent the facts remained anonymous, and they claimed to have time-traveled from the year 2036. They further claimed that time travel was successfully invented after researchers at CERN were able to create the world's first successfully contained singularity engine. And just for those at home, there's going to be a lot of technical babble throughout this episode, and I'll do my best to kind of simplify it, but the CERN is an acronym in French, translated in English to European Council for Nuclear Research. It's a, it's a several decades old uh, research facility over in France and incorporates a lot of uh, European countries. And to simplify what a singularity is, it's essentially a black hole. It's a point of infinitely small mass, or a size, I should say, but infinitely great of mass. So it's essentially super, super dense, infinitely dense. Mm -hmm. They also claim to have met a past version of themselves multiple times even taking a younger version of themselves on, quote, a few rides. So he's, he's joy riding through time. Oh, so it's one of those, like, you, you know, avoid yourself, otherwise things can go very wrong for you. Right. So like, that's what you're, you know, you're referring I've to, the grandfather paradox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So uh, he actually addresses that, interestingly enough, later on. This anonymous person then continues on to say it was impossible to travel past the year 2564 with this to say, quote, please pray that we discover the reason why there is no apparent future after 2564, end quote. They went on to uh, warn of the effects of Y2K, including a couple things. They said uh, people freezing to death, uh, the government would institute martial law, a power facility in Denver would be destroyed by a mob, and finally, that a new government system would be born out of this unrest. And that's all of the that's all of the information that they had within the facts from uh, from this particular segment on Coast to Coast AM. Okay. Hmm. So you have some uh, some vague claims here. You have yes. uh, effects of Y2K, not necessarily pinning it down to a certain point or day or year. Uh, but uh, see, now you can start to see what I'm saying where they have like oh, yeah. uh, vague claims. I mean, yes, destroying a place in Denver is a very specific thing, but uh, a new government system being born out of unrest, you start to uh, open open the realms a little bit. You know, what is unrest 
At what level do we define unrest? Is unrest like right now? Maybe he was just a little early on some of these things. Uh, that's why people start to go, well, man, there's a lot of interesting claims here. Uh, yeah. People freezing to death. That just sounds like the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, and oh, was Jake Gyllenhaal in that? <laughs> I was, was, that, actually, was that who it was? <laughs> I was actually contemplating like rewatching that movie because I, for some reason, had like 15 minutes during lunch and I was just like, uh, like last week, and I was like, you know what? I'll watch this terrible movie, 2020, and or whatever that was. I think it was 2020 or something like there that. There was that one. That uh, was so bad. It there was, was that one where they're so... driving a limousine as the oh, world is literally yeah. falling apart. Oh, yeah. They it was 2012. A building. Or 2012, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, this movie's terrible, but I feel like watching a terrible, like, you know, world's ending type movie. You got to put like, yeah, yeah, the world falling apart in front of you to realize, okay, it ain't that bad right yeah. now. Yeah, John Cusack was the that's, that's who it was, you're right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so we're still in July of 1998, but we don't have a specific date for this one. It, obviously, if it's after the 29th, there's only a few days that it could be. Um, but another fax was sent to Coast to Coast AM later that month, thanking Bell for reading the previous fax on air. In this second fax, they claimed that they had been in that timeline since April with plans to leave soon. With this to say, quote, Typically, time travelers do not purposely affect the world lines they visit. However, this mission is unusually long, and I've grown attached to some of the uh, people that I've met here. End quote. And that's the end of these anonymous faxes that went into Coast to Coast AM. And, uh, and that's where our tale begins. Interesting that, like, so, I mean, we're getting into the sci-fi of it, but, like, that tells me that it's not necessarily common, but it's not uncommon, right? In the sense of, like, maybe governments have them. Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, it's not one of those things that seems so, like, unheard of or maybe unknown with to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, maybe it's, like, government level knows about it and sends people back and they... Enough to the point where, like, they have rules. Yes, exactly. You know? And just like, oh, weird. Okay. All yeah, right. the fact that they're just passively stating rules yeah. to me is like, that's that kind of lying it's confidence. If, if, I mean, if you're lying at all, that's that kind of confidence you need when you're just like, oh, yeah, no, uh, typically we don't do this sort of thing. But uh, but for, for this scenario, it's a little bit different. And it's like, okay, hold on. You're indicating that there's other things and you just like... That's that seems to paint a more realistic image to me when someone's so thoroughly knowledgeable about the rules in play that they only t dabble with them. Someone yeah. who's trying to construct a story would definitely go into unnecessary detail mm -hmm. and maybe uh, wind off into other paths. At least in my opinion. Yeah, it's a little it's a little drop of a nugget. A little nugget, a little nugget. So that's where we're starting, and that's where this whole story gets its hooks in you. So we flash forward a few years now, November second, two thousand. Someone by the username TimeTravel underscore zero begins posting on the Time Travel Institute forums. I didn't know we had a Time Travel Institute, to be yeah, honest. But, uh, that uh, was I mean, going to hey. be my question. What do, you, <laughs> what do you mean the Time Travel Institute forums? Uh, you, you know, what does the, that even... The TTI. You, yeah, you know. What does that even mean? Like, what, what is there to post there? I don't... <laughs> is it I'm, just I'm, full of time travel memes and TikToks now, or...? I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, it's a bunch of, like... Uh, pseudo theorists that are like interested in the idea of time travel. You know, the internet's fresh right. on our minds. We just opened the World Wide Net uh, in in this uh, in this new way that you know the dot com bubble right now. And and so 
communication across borders has uh, has never been this big, right? And so I think that's what is really happening here. It isn't necessarily some official government yeah. business. I mean, if anything, it's probably just a ton of people mm-hmm. um, asking each other million-dollar butt questions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> really, design travel. Right. So... With regard to these posts, they were generally based around discussing time travel, as you can imagine, and the user claimed to have successfully time traveled from the year 2036, just like the person who faxed Coast to Coast AM a few years prior. Uh, And they were, quote, on their way home from the year 1975, where they were tasked with retrieving an IBM 5100 computer. And for those of you who don't know what that is, It is one of the first portable computers. It essentially looked like a typewriter mixed with a modern keyboard, uh, mixed with that old school computer look, right? That beige plastic case, kind of like a thick laptop is what it looked like. Well, like why though? (laughs) It's just so random to sit there and go, yeah, I traveled to this time to get Mm -hmm. a really old piece of technology. I just, why? You're going, you yeah, you're going have, from the 2030s all the way back to the 1970s, and you're like, I want that computer. Yeah, it's just uh, like... Maybe this have, is where the beginning of an AI, like a self-aware sort of situation <laughs> began. Like, <laughs> the drippings of the early code for this AI are there, and you're like... And it's like wiping out the great-great-grandfather of this modern AI Terminator oh or something. Goodness. I don't know. Yeah, now we see... Yeah, there we go. Now we're pulling stuff from different movies. Mm-hmm, we're thinking mm-hmm. Terminator style <laughs> now at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I know anything about time travel, it's all from movies. Uh, I think it's very interesting um, that there's, you know, that fax and then two years later, mm -hmm. another fax. Like, again, I've said this before in a a previous kind of like um, episode, but the patience that some of these people have, if it's the same person, like, my goodness, playing the long game. Let me actually remember which episode. Was it the Satoshi Nakamoto? There was essentially another situation very similar to this where... If it was contrived, if it was a story, it was happening over the course of a decade online. And it's like, why would you why would you need to keep up this image? No one's right? coming at you. No. Um, but you're just kind of putting it out there. That was Lake City Quiet Pills. Lake City Quiet Pills. It was oh, the first one we did. Right, yeah. Premier. Lake City was the, the first one we ever did. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Christian. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, already we've spanned a few years and we have many years yet to cover. And so if this is a story, it makes you wonder, okay, what is their motivation? Is this a a long... Anyway, we'll get into the theories later. But uh, Mm -hmm. it it really starts to raise some questions in your mind as to what they're after. Um, They also posted a few vague descriptions of their time machine and had this to say. Quote, My time machine, time is in quotes for some reason, is a stationary mass temporal displacement unit manufactured by GE or General Electric. The unit is powered by two top-spin dual-positive singularities that produce a standard offset Tipler sinusoid. Okay, let's break it down. Singularities being essentially black holes, right? Uh, And they're saying that they are contained black holes or contained singularities that produce offset energy sources or whatever. Essentially, we know that black holes can mess with the space-time, right? This fabric of space-time. They can bend light. And in that way, it's theorized that they can bend time. Um, And so that's kind of what I wanted to pull on here, is that he's essentially trying to activate theory around black holes and singularities to say that this is the driving force behind my my time machine. As far as the sinusoid stuff, that's essentially just means an up and down undulating wave pattern. Um, Ah, so they're looking up big words on Google now. 
Yeah, this is where I start to go like, okay, I don't know theoretical <laughs> physics to this extent, but I know that these are buzzwords, and exactly. I know that he's pulling on a couple of uh, key you know, theories. Just, key, you know, just toss, toss in flux capacitor. You know what just, I mean? Yeah, Some yeah. Back to the future terms. <laughs> pick I want to put pick listen, and choose. Put a pin in that. Put a very odd pin in that because okay. it's going to come back around. <laughs> okay. I swear uh, to God, I'm going to bring that up. <laughs> we're just in movie central right now. But it's what's interesting, and I want to note, is that at this point in time, we're in the year 2000, okay? Half of the movies we've discussed have not been produced yet. And in this stage in time, a lot of theories are still up in the air, right? Stephen Hawking has yet to uh, update his black hole theory at this point in time. So to know some of these things, or to at least try to pull on this theoretical physics, either indicates that this person is well-read, uh, indicates that this person is honest and knows what they're talking about, or indicates that we're all just a lot dumber than we think we are, and these buzzwords are just selling it for us. Yep. Um, but yeah, so this individual is posting multiple times over the subsequent months, leading to the next year, a few months later, in January of 2001. Time Traveler Zero begins posting on the Art Bell forums. Again, Art Bell was the host of Coast to Coast AM, uh, now officially using the name John Titer, due to the site requiring a full name. So this is when the name John Titer first comes onto the scene. The first post that John made on the Bell forums was an exact copy of the first post made on the Time Travel Institute forums. Um, and then after migrating to the Bell forums, Titer only posted there. So he became exclusive to this forum, just like the Time Travel Institute forums he posted multiple times. So at this point in time, he's migrated to a different forum and continues uh, going off there. Later that month, on January 28th, 2001, Titer claimed that he was in the year 2000 for personal reasons. Again, he said earlier on in this story that he was on his way back home from, from 1975, and he was stopping in this year for personal reasons and then hearkening back to the facts, he's indicating that he's grown close to some people. And so maybe he met some people in 75 that are now older, 25 years older in 2000. And maybe that's where his personal reasons are stemming from. Um, just trying to connect all of these uh, loose ends here. But, but again, I want to say because the exact timeline of the posts become unclear, especially at this point, um, I want to address a couple of uh, claims that he's made in regards to his history, his mission, and how he executed time travel uh, without necessarily specific dates. So, Are they really just letting this man use a time-traveling machine for personal reasons? Yeah, this guy's uh, like joyriding like, through like, space and time. Yeah, like, I gotta what run an dire event. And... <laughs> also, yeah. see, I, that just makes me think, like, okay, if I was to entertain the, the fact theory that this is real mm -hmm. that would make me believe that time traveling during the future is a little more widely known and accepted mm -hmm. because if it was so like like you know really tight lid on the whole situation i don't feel like he'd be allowed to one run personal errands and two be able to talk about it because then eventually right, right like you'll hit the year that you're in and the government will know because they'll have these traces on the internet of like, hey, this guy was time traveling and we know this person. There mm -hmm. he is. Like, right. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to leave such a big, obvious footprint, um, uh -huh. which makes you think, okay, is this a real name? Is this a fake name? 
Uh, how are they able to get away from this? Like, th there must be some sort of laws governing this. But on the other hand, maybe there's something so dramatically wrong in the 30s that they're like, screw it, we're all done for anyway. Just get the heck back in time and try to fix whatever this is. Whatever that future looks like, as long as we're here, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And all it comes down to that IBM 5100. Right? Jeez. Yeah, I want a really old computer. That's what I need in the future. All right. So the time machine. Couple of points. Let's take that pin out, that strange pin I said. The device was installed, this time machine device, was installed in the back of a 1967 Chevrolet Corvette and contained what? the following. It's in a car. Okay. What's weird to me also is that he clarified earlier that it's a stationary mass. Uh, and the machine that he's referring to is in fact stationary. There are diagrams of this thing and you can look at that online or on our Twitter page at RedWebPod. We'll post that there. But within this device, there are two magnetic housing units for dual micro singularities. There's an electron injection manifold to alter mass and gravity micro singularities. There's a cooling and x-ray venting system. There are gravity sensors or a variable gravity lock. There are four main cesium clocks. And finally, there are three main computer units within this box. And again, I want to I want to refer to the image that we're going to post on Twitter in the uh, little cork boards that we always post for each episode. It looks like a device built in the Cold War. It's a big black box with thick curly cables coming out of it like the old school headphone cables. Uh, it has caution tape, you know, the yellow striped black striped tape. It very much looks like an improvised um, explosive device, but from the 80s. It doesn't mm. seem to have anything particularly advanced about it and living in the year 2020 right now when we're recording this i gotta be honest i don't know if a time machine would look like this let alone in 15 years time so i don't know but he's doing this thing in explaining what's in this device that reminds me of a man named bob lazar who has close ties to area 51 and in fact we'll probably do a whole episode on him i find him very interesting but to me, there's a very similar trend here where the individual is giving a lot of details around technology that 99% of the general public would not be familiar with. In fact, I recognize many of these words, uh, but I wouldn't know what the purpose is of these things or if he's just kind of using buzzwords again. Um, you know, obviously, if, if there's a, a device that's messing with a with microgravity and singularities and stuff, I can understand on a very high theoretical level how that might play into time travel. But I don't know. It almost feels like really just blasting people with a, ton, a bunch of technical babble and then kind of like saying, OK, yeah, that's that's my verification. You don't know what that is. I yeah. do. I'm smarter than you. So you just trust me. You know? I mean, most people, like myself, will look mm -hmm. at it and go, yeah, sure. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> you're it's, just it's like, sounds, all right. Sounds fancy. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, Gravity shifter. And, uh, clocks, oh, right. my goodness. Wow. Okay. Cl a clutch. Wow. I've heard about those in cars. Oh, this is a manual. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, how was this person allowed to give this detail, though? You know what I mean? Like, right. Is it just so everybody has time machine i don't even know such a chill thing yeah obviously so, you can't take what he says and build your own time machine with it well but. i don't know man because let me give you this now just to build off of that he shared scans of a manual for a quote c204 time displacement unit 
complete with diagrams and schematics, as well as some photographs of the machine installed in the car. Again, we'll post those on Twitter, but he put up diagrams and schematics of the thing. And to me, this is like, you're tripling down on a dense story or you're telling the truth, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, He's coming from such an advanced future that do you think we have the technology anywhere to contain uh, a micro singularity? Well, the answer is no. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. Right. We yep. theoretically can do that at CERN, which I referred to earlier via the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, I don't know if we have done that. I didn't really look into it. Um, but if the, any any micro black holes that we've been able to create thus far have either been in our minds through theory or have all been entirely unstable and have dissolved within microseconds. So I guess he's like, listen, you're so in the past that even I, I could just give you the instructions to time travel and you still wouldn't know what to do with it because you just can't. And that's totally fair. If I gave the diagram for a car or a combustion engine to the medieval folk, I, I just don't think that they would get it. They'd be like, listen, I, I believe you. You seem like a nice guy. I can't do that. Yeah, because it'd have to be certain technological advancements or scientific breakthroughs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of like shift and change the way we do things. And I'm assuming this is how this person feels. They feel the same way that like, yeah, what you're saying. I'll give you all this, but mm -hmm. there are elements that have yet to be created during your timeline, et cetera. Something like that. It's just like, it doesn't matter. You can't do anything with it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this next part I want to get into might also kind of address this. I mean, maybe he's a nihilist. Let's just dive in. Time travel. He starts to explore his theory of time travel because there are many different ways, many different theories, I should say, as to how time travel works. And, uh, and I'll quote John himself here. Quote, The grandfather paradox is impossible. In fact, all paradox is impossible. The Everett Wheeler Graham or multiple world theory is correct. All possible quantum states, events, possibilities, and outcomes are real, eventual, and occurring. The chances of everything happening someplace at some time in the superverse is 100%." End quote. And if you're familiar with Rick and Morty, let's just put it simply, there is an infinite amount of parallel universes that anything can happen in all of them. Uh, to think of Schrodinger's cat, is the cat alive or dead in the box where you can't observe it? Well, it is both. And then as soon as you reveal the cat, in your universe it might be alive, and another one that just split off, it might be dead. Essentially, anything that can happen will happen or has happened in one of the many infinite universes. And this is the theory that this individual subscribes to. Which then to me says, well, uh, going back in time then, Okay, so let's let's address the grandfather paradox. That's simply uh, right, about yeah. going back in time. If you were to off your grandfather before you know your dad or yourself was born, uh, you you wouldn't exist, right? Uh, but in this case, he's saying you could go back in, in time. Uh, everything up to the time that you went back to will be identical to your timeline at that point. However, everything after that is brand new. Uh, that's where that universe split off and made yet another one of those many infinite universes. So you go back in time um, and your your effects on the world are localized to that universe. 
And uh, right. so, so I don't know. It, it seems to me like whatever they were trying to correct in the future, whatever they're trying to grab from the past, it does it really matter because they're kind of leaving their home universe anyway. And at that point, does it even matter if he tells people from the universe he's leaving about what time travel is and how it works because he's about to jump back to his? Like, it it basically opens up the question of like, whatever. It doesn't matter what I do in this one. This one can burn and I wouldn't matter because like there's an infinite number, you know? If if time travel is real in this sense and this person is literally joyriding through it, Rick and Morty style, you really start to get a potentially a nihilist view of the world where none of your actions matter. This universe can melt. I'll go to the next one. That one can be fine. I can go to the next one. It it like, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, damn, homie, leave us with something. Yeah, something leave your like car. your car or some kind of like get like the iPhone 40 or something. Give me <laughs> leave us something that makes us go, oh, my God. Right. Uh, rather than, you know, vague predictions, some more specific <laughs> than others. But, um, you know, but we'll get into that here in just a moment. So going back into his theory on time travel, he expands upon his initial facts sent to coast to coast regarding CERN's discovery of time travel, claiming that they would learn how to create miniature black holes in 2001. Uh, now again, we are in the early, at least the last time we knew that these claims were being made was early 2001. Uh, but we don't know when exactly this quote was made. Um, so we know it was before obviously 2001 because uh, it's a prediction. He's, he's talking about what CERN right. is going to do down the line. Um, and what's interesting is that CERN opened the Large Hadron Collider in France in 2008, and that is when I remember this vividly, that a lot of people were a little concerned that as soon as that was turned on, that uh, this, the facility would inadvertently create a bunch of micro black holes that would immediately uh, eat the world apart. Um, obviously that didn't happen, or at least not in this universe, but it's interesting that he's predicting some of the, now, now we're starting to see how some of these predictions can be seen to be mm, maybe true, maybe accurate, maybe right. early, but uh, you can start it buying makes you go, into it if you want to. Right. It makes you start going, well, may, maybe now. Uh, listen, I don't know. But to finish up on his theory of time travel, he described the actual process of time travel thus, quote, by using two micro singularities in close proximity to each other, it is possible to create manipulate and alter the care fields to create a Tipler gravity sinusoid. This field can be adjusted, rotated, and moved in order to simulate the movement of mass through a donut-shaped singularity and into an alternate world line, thus safe time travel. Uh, listen, very complex. Um, I think what we'll do is type up some of these key words. Uh, such as the care fields and the Tipler gravity sin uh, sinusoid. We'll and, put and those words in our, you know, our graphic on Twitter. And I encourage you, if you're curious, to Google some of these terms and to start researching them yourself. A lot of these terms are heavily associated with the theory of time travel. And I think that's the main thing to pull away. We need like a, a baby kid's version for me with words like time and travel <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it yeah we need to explain it like i'm five um so essentially what he's saying here and and this was what i was trying to i was kind of asking openly earlier was like all right you're, you're using a lot of buzz terms 
right? What are you trying to get at? And in this little paragraph here, he's trying to explain the mechanics behind all of the devices he said were included in the device. And earlier we, we talked about how there was two singularities, two micro singularities with, contained safely within this device. What he's saying is by, by trapping these two micro black holes and adjusting their fields, they interact with each other in a way that manipulates space-time. And uh, very simply, that manipulation allows you to move through space and time rather than the familiar just moving through time, right? And, and Or sorry, right. just moving through space where time mm -hmm. is a passive uh, factor or a relative factor. And that's kind of what he's trying to explain here. But with that covered, with that explained, you got his theory of uh, how time travel works. You have uh, a little bit of a description of how his time machine works. And uh, and before we go forward, this is why his, his theory on time travel is exactly why I think um, this whole topic is still on the table. Because he also goes on to talk about how anytime you go back and come forth to your current time that you left, there are going to be uh, 1-2% to in, in the way of changes in your world. And on a week scale or a month scale, that really might not amount to a whole lot. You know, it might amount to a couple things shifted around your house. It might amount to, um, you know, your your sibling having the cold versus being healthy. You know, it might be sm right, really subtle changes. Things, you know. Yeah. But when we're talking like decades, um, that's where things can swing. And a lot of his claims do span the decades. And, uh, and, and it does fit within his theory of the multiverse where everything is possible. He's coming from a timeline. He's he's affected us by talking to us in 2000 and whatever activity he did in 75. And so that that's what's left some room for error in his predictions. We can't outright say, well, he was wrong, so he's right. all wrong. Y you have to go, well, based on his theory and based on the things he's saying, technically his predictions could have been altered by us being informed. Technically, there is still some room, that margin for error. And, and what makes it even more um, kind of interesting is that the nature of some of these predictions can, can still fall true today. Perhaps better today than a decade ago when he made them. That's the thing, though. It sounds like he is completely comfortable and okay with giving us all this information, letting us know about the future and about time travel mm -hmm. just like give me something tangible baby like give me give me you know what i mean anything at all whatsoever there's just so many different vague things like right if you're coming back and giving us this information and whatnot and changing things and and maybe creating alternate timelines and whatnot i doubt like you know said tangible item number one that could be you know discerned as really hard evidence will like cause this timeline to blow up to pieces mm -hmm. it's like i think the vagueness reminds me of a modern day nostradamus right where he made predictions about all sorts of things constantly and eventually again in a world where anything can happen something is going to feel accurate right when you read a horoscope you read into it looking for how you can pull accuracies out of it and so that could also be what's happening here. Yeah, um, I agree completely. Yeah, but let's dive into some of the predictions and then see on the aft end how we feel uh, about how, you know, about the nature of some of these. So 
One of the predictions was that after the year of 2004, there would be no more Olympics. Obviously, that hasn't happened. However, guess what? We just missed the Olympics this year. And so people are freaking out. And so that's one of the very concrete examples of maybe he was just early. Or maybe in this timeline, things got moved. Uh, obviously, there are plans to revisit the Olympics at this point in time, at the time yeah. of recording this. However, it makes you start to wonder. Another prediction was that the Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease would become a rampant issue after spreading through beef products. Now, I don't know much about this disease in particular. It hasn't become rampant. Uh, but there was, in around this time, a, a, a small scare with regards to mad cow disease. I remember yep. donating yeah, blood one time, and, and they were like, well, have you been to England? You know, because there's this outbreak of this disease, etc. Not the same disease, um, but transferred similarly. Another prediction was that currency would become decentralized, but credit cards would still exist, which could mean a couple different things. It could mean that uh, that there are multiple currencies that the United States or the world goes to, or that uh, private currencies still offer similar services to modern centralized currency. Um, but obviously, that's something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, no. Uh, another one, and this is the one that people hang their hat on the most, is that the United States would experience a civil war that would brew in 2004 after civil unrest following the presidential election, with it fully erupting in 2008, four years after that, uh, with, quote, the conflict will shortly consume everyone in the United States by 2012 and end in 2015 with a very short World War III, end quote. Now, this is something that comes around almost every election because essentially every election there's some form of unrest right there's yeah. some large portion of the country that is well that wasn't the person i voted for and so this always enters the fray i think now with a very divisive political spectrum uh on the table in the united states this, again this has come up and again this is where people start to go well maybe he was just early or maybe right. because he forecasted these things, people were more privy to the issues at hand, and it pushed these concerns back a few years to a point where we might have uh, forgotten about him again. Yeah, I can't buy that, though, because, like, majority of the people on this planet haven't heard about this, right? So how is it that much of an influence? Right, because it's, a you know, early 2000s internet. Not, yeah. a, not a very prolific time on the internet. Not a whole not lot a, of people. Not there. at all. Um, but they went on to say within this prediction that uh, as a result of the war, the United States would split into five different regions. Uh, quote, in 2015, Russia launches a nuclear strike against major cities in the United States, China, oh, and Europe. The United States counterattacks. The U.S. cities are destroyed along with the AFE, which is the American Federal Empire. Uh, the European Union and China were also destroyed. End quote. So now you start getting very specific uh, claims, right? You have years now. You have the fact that the United States is now in five different regions. You have the name of one of them, the American Federal Empire. Uh, and then large claims like the EU and China are fully destroyed. And they're just, he's just throwing Russia under the bus. Russia's just like, we, we, we don't plan on doing this. What? Yeah. What's going on here? Everyone's yeah. like, Russia, you sus as hell, but... we are going to have to throw you into space. It's a lot of this, to again, seems to build off of the Cold War, right? 
And mm-hmm. if this was an adult at this time making these claims, they probably spent their youth or at least their young adult life in the 80s and early or late 70s and everything. And uh, and Russia was the, the go-to point your finger at, right? Yeah. But yeah, they, they said that this launch day of, uh, of the nukes going off was known as N-Day, which I guess would stand for Nuclear Day. Washington, D.C. and Jacksonville, Florida were listed as locations that were being hit. And funny enough, Omaha, Nebraska was now the nation's new capital. So, hey, you got that going for you, Omaha. Yeah, who decided <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska? <laughs> I, listen, it, it's centrally located. It's, far, it's the furthest away that you can probably get from a lot of nuclear powers because it's so landlocked. You'd have to have like ICBMs coming after you. Yeah. Uh, it might be harder. I'm just going off of, of theory here. It might be it's harder, harder for yeah, missiles launched from the Gulf or from the oceans to try to hit it. Uh, you know, I don't know. And it's far from the north, which is where the Russian missile, missiles would kind of come from over the mm. uh, Alaska direction. But those are some of the macro level predictions. Christian, I don't know if there's any smaller level predictions that are worth mentioning, because ultimately John Titer's made quite a bit of claims over time. But these are the, the major ones for sure. Yeah, like you said, he made a lot of smaller claims during the time that he was posting, but just for the sake of time, we just collected the the more notable ones. Okay. It sounds like he's just firing off and the time police need to come and put like <laughs> some time cuffs on him or something like that because yeah. he's just running wild at this point. He's, he's buck wilding over here, time traveling, dropping hints. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, listen, I don't know. And I don't know if, we're, if this is in the outline, but it just comes to mind and it, I'm just going to chuck this out there because uh, it makes me think. It makes me wonder, like, are we being observed? Are they, like, using this particular universe, this time stream, as a uh, a what if? Just throw everything at these people. Just tell them all the truth. Tell them everything that's terrible that's going to happen. And now let's watch. Because part of his claim is also that UFOs are actually future humans time traveling. And either oh, maybe they're wild. on a vacation. Maybe it's they're a wild just like, watching. Like, listen, I don't know. It, it's a wild one. They're on vacation. <laughs> yeah, you can you imagine like the Jetsons flying through? They're like, hey, let's let's go back to Skinwalker Ranch in the in the in the 90s. Oh hell no. I already forgot about that place. <laughs> we'll that we'll weird, conjure up some a weird some, story. Uh, hologram creatures get people all riled up. Maybe yeah. this is the timeline where they just mess with us constantly. And everyone else is just normal and sane, and we're the ones that just, we're the puppets, you know? Damn, we got the short end and the straw end. We're not the <laughs> ones that can time travel. We're just the ones that are uh, messed around with. Yeah, we're, we're the TV time stream. We're the one that shows up on prime time every evening. They're like, what's happening in Universe 39? Yeah, it's just it's a game show, and we're just the primary <laughs> planet that's messed with season after season. Oh, man, and John Titer's the host. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, okay, well, now let's get into the mission that uh, Titer is claiming to have been on. So he's saying that he was a soldier with the Fighting Diamondbacks, a military infantry unit based in Florida, complete with military insignia. Again, I uh, want to refer to our Twitter page where we'll post this insignia along with a bunch of other images. Uh, But it looks quite interesting. It's basically a visualized, I would say, black hole. And it looks like this is perhaps a a loose visualization of of, of what it might look like traveling down the time stream. Uh, It's basically a bunch of concentric ovals. Or maybe not concentric, but they all... A bunch of stretched out ovals and a big swoop going through the middle of them. That doesn't do it any justice, but hey, 
Man, what artist did this man commission for this? <laughs> <laughs> you know he had to be by himself. That or he had to, like he signed some poor artist's whole like life away and said, "Hey, you can't say nothing. This is an NDA. Sign this and never speak about my bad insignia." Yeah, I, I don't know. The problem is, and this is where there's room, there's margin for interpretation. The problem is, I could see how this might make sense. I can see how this looks like a stretched, you know, time stream or or space fabric i don't know and then like that little swoop going through is maybe uh maybe them coming in and out of time i i don't know i don't know maybe i'm a victim to to interpretive bias i just yeah i can yeah. see it though so he's got you he's yeah, got he's, you now yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i'm, I'm caught you go. you're I'm caught in his time his stream. i'm subscribed yeah. i'm tuning in every night <laughs> all right so the reason for needing the ibm 5100 computer that th the moment we've all been waiting for was that it was able to run both APL and basic programming languages, which was a feature specific to that computer model only. The computer needed to, quote, debug various legacy computer programs, possibly referring to the year 2038 problem, uh, something similar to Y2K maybe happened in this year, and that there was issue with the digital systems and the lack of capacity to store time beyond the 32-bit integer, um, which, again, if, if you weren't alive during Y2K or you're not familiar with what that issue was, the main crisis was that there's computers, there's clocks on every, uh, every, every operating system that's out there, right? You can look at the yep. bottom right of your system, you could see the time, but a 32-bit integer system, and this is a whole different topic, so I'm really going to distill it, has a, uh, a limit on how much data it can hold, essentially, and that once it hit the year 2000, it was uh, supposed that this integer would no longer be able to hold that value, that data, and that it would crash, that it would cycle back onto a different year, that it would cause technical hiccups in a bunch of ongoing code in the banking system and in the economic system. Yeah, stock and that everything, market's going to crash. Everything, yeah. yeah the your power's going to go out. Your toilet's going to explode. You know, mm -hmm. everything that had code associated with it, people were worried about 32-bit systems, which is why most things are 64-bit, and that will that will fix that issue long after we're dead. Um, but that's a very, very distilled version of that. If you're interested in that topic, that might, again, be another issue or, uh, or topic we dive into for a full episode. But going back to the IBM 5100 computer, why they needed it, again, it had, it had access, the ability to use two different languages, um, that perhaps the, uh, addressed an issue similar to that at their current time in 2038. And he, uh, Titer also said that he was specifically chosen for this mission because he was related to one of the people who worked on the 5100. So you can imagine going back in time, trying Ooh. to convince a past self, or uh, not even a past self, a past ancestor, would be a lot easier than going back in time and saying, Mr. John Apple, I need your prime, your first computer. And they're like, get the hell out of my office. Who the hell are you? Um, you, you can imagine going back in time talking to your grandpa might be easier because yeah. there's facts in play. You, you can know uh, when you were younger, you fell and hit your head and you have a scar above your eye. And that's how you got it. And, they, and you could say things that only they would know or only you would know, right? Yeah. Also, think about it now. Why would they just send one person at a time? If it was so important to retrieve. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd have to guess that it's because of the uh, 1967 Chevrolet Corvette that they used. <laughs> Only yeah, had so much big. leg room. <laughs> not big at all. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Why wouldn't a team go back? And, you know, it, it makes me start thinking of Endgame 
why you wouldn't just send a, uh, a team of spies to just sneak into the facility, yoink the thing, and leave. Yeah, what is this long game of like, I'm your great great, or you know, I'm your great grandson. This is what happened. You must build it. Like, send a send a over op team. Go get it done. You know what I mean? Like, if you went back in 1975 and you said, this is an iPhone. Touch the screen, it turns on. You run multiple calculations. You show them a video, any video on YouTube. They're gonna flip their minds. Just plop them yep. down to an episode mm-hmm. of Red Web. Let them listen for a minute. They'll be distracted by yeah. whatever's going yeah, on. They'll get caught up, and then and, you yeah, maybe get some chills down their spine. You know? Yeah, a couple chills, a couple thrills. You yoink their computer. Yeah, bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> Easy. Maybe I go back in time. I don't know. Maybe I will. Uh, but that that is essentially his answer to why the IBM fifty one hundred. Now we have a couple few uh, notes throughout time. We're going to hit a few uh, notes over the following years, and uh, that will kind of wrap up the rest of this timeline. So March 24th, 2001, Titer made his final post on the Bell forums. Now, flash forward a few years into 2003, JohnTitor.com was launched, which tracked Titer's predictions and kept an archive of his posts. Uh, And then 2003, later on that year, uh, the John Titer Foundation published the book, John Titer, A Time Traveler's Tale, which was a collection of all of his forum posts. Now, I gotta wonder, who registered this website, and was it the man or woman pretending to be John Titer? Yeah, you know. Because now we're cashing in. Yeah, yep, yep, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. There, there's your answer to the question you asked earlier, why have such a long con? This one unlike uh, Lake City Quiet Pills, has a potential financial angle here. Yeah, make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't someone just track that down, though? Like, who registered, who, you know what I mean? Christian, I wonder if, you, like, while we're going through the rest of the timeline, if, if maybe you're able to research that real quick and see if if there's theories in play as far as uh, who registered JohnTiter.com and if that's still going. I believe the... It was registered by just like a John Titer super fan. I have his name somewhere. Um, his name's Oliver Williams. And from what I was reading, he did it just because he was a fan of Titer and his story and just wanted to compile everything. A likely story, Oliver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's his own biggest fan. No one knows himself better than he. Yeah. If anything, you just let <laughs> someone walk away with your money. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know? Uh, but that's interesting. JohnTiter.com is live. It's still there. Still looks like a website from 2003. There's other graphics there trying to explain his theory on time travel and stuff, so you can check that out. Uh, J-O-H-N-T-I-T-O-R.com. Uh, not a plug, not a sponsor, but hey, whatever. Oliver, uh, get that money. 2004. A man by the name of Martin Pullman attempted to patent Titer's schematics, which is interesting because if this turns out to be true, like a real design, Martin, another individual, trying to cash in, trying to get that patent. Yeah, I mean, because it takes time, effort, and money to get a patent on something, so Mm -hmm. this person's investing. So that's interesting. And then again, a few years later, 2006, Lawrence, or Larry, Haber, an entertainment lawyer based out of Florida, did an interview with George Newry, the new host of Coast to Coast AM, where he represented a woman named Kay Titer, who was supposedly Titer's mother. What? Uh, and this is a real lawyer, and these are real people on a real show, which is which is wild to me. This is a real actual lawyer in Florida. 
And I've noticed that Florida keeps coming up. Whether it's intentional or accidental, I don't know. But, for example, one of the supposed nuke attacks was in Florida. He referenced Florida earlier on. It was like the base, right? Or something like that? Yes. That's where his fighting Diamondback military infantry unit was based yep. in. Um, so, yeah. So, so maybe, you know, it starts to say like, hell, maybe there's something here. It just the tickling of truth is just right there and you can't help but want to grab it because that's just human nature right when you when you're when you're faced with the unknown you're just like i'm gonna grab that truth whatever i can find but it's also worth noting that haber the lawyer uh an entertainment lawyer at that is also listed as the ceo of the john titer foundation which several years prior published the book on john titer which makes me then start to think okay is there a story here? Is uh, this K Titer either somebody who was paid off or convinced of this story? Um, yep. There's is a lot a of real... motive here, financial There's... motive. Exactly. But again, if this is real, and this is a lawyer who's uh, representing someone individually, and this is uh, maybe his mother, why not, you know, double dip, protect this individual while also cashing in on their story? I don't. I don't know. Just don't know. Again. Seems like Titer's just so reckless. Now we know who the supposed mother is. Like, what's to stop someone from taking him out before Titer even knows who he is and fulfills his destiny, etc. But then you can argue the whole it creates a different timeline or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And like, that's it. Oh, time travel. <laughs> yep, yep. It wouldn't matter. It's it all goes back to that. If everything exists anywhere and everywhere, and all things are happening. And you see that, and your your mind is open to that. It, I don't know, maybe I'm just reckless, but like it, it, I struggle to see a place or a world where you don't become a nihilist after that. That nothing really yeah. matters. That everything exists and everyone's happy over there and everyone's unhappy over there. And ultimately, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a protection or or something to worry about for this K Titer. Um, but his theory on time travel would be that it wouldn't matter what you did to her. Because it doesn't matter. He still existed yeah. somewhere and yep. still came back to somewhere. So, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But the last piece in the timeline worth mentioning is that in 2009, JohnTiderFoundation.com was registered. Still up, still open. You can go check that out. It's a very blank, normal page. It has a, a date on it. And it also has what looks like an address. It says 177 Tempus Edax Rerum. Uh... I don't speak Latin, but that's my best attempt. And it also says, good luck, signed John. Um, I believe when I translated this, uh, just out of interest, yeah, it translates from Latin to English to mean devouring time. That's cool. That's cool. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, that website's up. You can check it out. But that is the... That's John Titer. That's his timeline. That's, those are his claims, his predictions, his story. But obviously, there are still plenty of questions remaining unanswered, right? Such as, did Titer have any communication with uh, with others outside of the post? Did he talk to anybody else? Are there other stories from other individuals? Um, and there's a couple answers to that. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Pamela Moore who claimed to have multiple private conversations with Titer. She also said that she had a dream of a time traveler in 1998 two years before any of these online posts, and the same year as the facts, uh, coincidentally. Uh, Titer even supposedly sent a secret song 
that she could use to identify any imposters, which is interesting. Um, because he said that he's seen multiple versions of himself, he's interacted with himself, maybe he gave her this secret phrase or secret song that would identify him versus any other version of him. Um, I don't know why, but it's, uh, but it's interesting. And then... This is getting crazy. Yeah. And then, what I really love is when these, when these mysteries step into a more modern time. In September of 2016, she received a package containing the following. A letter from Kay, Titer's supposed mother, a letter from John Titer himself, an album with a record inside, and a CD with songs on it. Quote, I'm keeping what was on it a secret because I'm not really sure why he sent those to me. End quote. So, uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that, like, you know, someone's claiming that they have more evidence on the story. Someone's claiming that I still have contact with this individual, but I'm going to keep it private. It's like pre the president's secret book. You just want to crack that thing open just a little bit. You know, do UFOs exist? Is time? Is this story real? You just want to peek. Um, but I don't. I don't know if that lends credence or takes credence away from her stories. To be honest. <sighs> what? A, what? A, what a tease! Damn it. <laughs> See, this is where I'm just like, all right, all right. The government, you need to step in on this. Come on, figure this out. Like, <laughs> I just want to know. I just. It makes you wonder if anybody from the FBI or CIA, CIA stepped in to take a look at this. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah, they're, yeah. if they're taking this seriously. Because they tend to. There's, there's always these secret teams that say, listen, all right, uh, we, nine times out of ten, people's claims are hooey. But Bogus claims. we're going we're gonna to research it just in case it's, it's true. But... So those are like the only outside of communications outside of these posts and facts that we have publicly available to us at this point. Uh, another question that we had written here is, if John Titer was from an alternate timeline, was there ever another John Titer in play? Whether in this timeline or another, I think at various points he claimed that he was born in 1998. I might be uh, misremembering that. Actually, Christian, do you know if... If he indicated when he was born? According to this, in the year 2011, he was 13 years old, which means he would have been born in 1998. Interesting. Okay, Fredo, I also misspoke. There was a problem in 2038 that they're trying to solve. However, he is coming back in time from 2036. Ah, okay. Those are the two. Th that's the year that he says in his initial posts and in the, uh, the initial faxes. So again, if John Titer was from an alternate timeline, was there ever another John Titer? I know he's indicated that he's re uh, interacted with other versions of himself, um, but what's interesting is that after the original Titer story became very popular, another person claiming to be Titer came forward to separate or differentiate himself from this original John Titer. He called himself John Titer II, and he did multiple interviews on both radio and TV, and he worked with Jason Quitt and Bob Mitchell to write a biography and signed a contract as Lieutenant Colonel John Titer II. Which, if this guy is faking it, that's a crime. You can't just claim to be a Lieutenant Colonel like that. Yeah, that's ooh, that's a rule somewhere that'll, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that'll get you in cuffs. It makes you wonder, pull this guy aside. I mean, maybe he's just a super fan and knows everything about this story. But quiz this guy. Quiz him over the years. Quiz him over time. Uh, see if his answers change. 
It'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, also at, the, at some point, it's like, I mean, the government at that point has the right to like step in, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. they could use the smallest reason to step in and really blow this thing wide open. If you want to disappear overnight, Fredo, and this is a tutorial, okay. go ahead and start right. calling yourself uh, General John Titer III. Claim you know everything about time travel and about the enemy, and just keep tweeting that. Just tweet that a lot. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I took notes, and I listened uh, just to make sure I do the opposite. So oh. I'm going to go ahead and just not. I'm a little bit... <laughs> You know, I'm I'm a little self-chuffed by the fact that every episode I come with uh, come up with some scheme with which to get you, I don't know, in engrossed in the story to get you. Uh, I mean, if anything, know, involved. It, may, it gets me further away. It makes me want to <laughs> put my hands up in the air, step back, and go, mm -mm, no, I'm mm, not touching mm -mm. it. <laughs> um. But what's here, uh, in, two, in December of 2016, it was discovered that John Titor II was actually a man by the name of Dana Lee Stern Sr. The book deal fell through because of the fraud on the contract, and Stern attempted to extort Quit and Mitchell for $30,000 after multiple harassing and threatening messages. So, you know, we gave it, we gave it its time in the sun, and yeah. it, it seems to have fallen apart. And that's fair, but we also don't really know if John Titor was the name, like a real name. Yeah. And that's I mean, the like, final question here to answer when you, that. When you first said that, I was like, I mean, come on. That's got to be made up. I mean, right. there's, there's no way this person's just going to give information like that. It's a cool like, name. Yeah, it's a great name. Few uh, people have just really cool names like that out of the gate. Parents are evil like that. Yeah, I just like, there's no way this person gave his real name. Granted, the more information you gave to me, the more I went, this person's just running amok. On, <laughs> They're just saying time. everything. They're saying <laughs> too much. Whatever the heck they want. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a wild one. Yeah. I mean, we got some wild, like I said in the beginning, I was like, it's like we just, we were just, it's like a video game where they're just like, all right, everything's balanced out. Everything is, you know what I mean? And then, and then when they just reach the end of that game, they're just like, all right, here's a rocket launcher. Have fun. Right. Granted, we've still got so much to explore with uh, this podcast. But there's there's you, a lot of depth really, in this world. It really took me out there. <laughs> We're really jumping out here because, oh, especially because it's the spooky season right now. We're right, yeah. a little bit past Halloween, but uh, but man, this is just a fascinating story. It but, really is. But John Titor II coming forward as somebody else, having a different name, kind of raises the question in general, though, was John Titor the real name or not? Was that an alias? Because there's apparently no record of John Titor or a Titor family in general having existed. Uh, and after Titor's last forum post, all, quote, correspondences were, were through Haber, the, mm. uh, the lawyer. And what's interesting, and one thing I want to button this up with before we go into the theories, is that Haber had a brother by the name of John Rick Haber. And he was a computer expert who was noted to have a very similar writing style to John Titor. And to me, that says a lot. It says a mm. lot. Yeah. So let's swing into the obvious segue. Theory number one, this is just a hoax. Mm -hmm. There are inconsistencies throughout Titer's stories over the years, despite how much we want to think that there's some truth in there, uh, that you can bend some of the predictions to match things going on today or yesterday or whatever. There's some inconsistencies in there. Uh, in the initial Belfax, he warned of impending disaster of Y2K, but began posting in 2000, well after Y2K had come and gone. So, 
Was the disaster diverted because he decided to say something, or was there simply no disaster in general? Yeah. It was a common thing. It was a common topic to play on, for sure. Um, and then in some of the posts he claimed to fight in the Civil War, and while in some of those posts he claimed to have hid from the war, it's clear that uh, he doesn't have his story straight in that regard. It's a little sloppy. And let's go ahead and just point out the obvious. The Civil War didn't happen, right? No, no 2004 yep. Civil War, mm -hmm. 2008 Civil War. And then obviously to kind of bring the hoax situation to a close, you have the Haber brothers, you have uh, the brother to the lawyer who, who is a computer expert who has a very similar writing style to Titer. You have an uh. entertainment lawyer themselves who, who has a uh, client named Kay Titer. That combined with the fact that there's no evidence of a Titer family, the fact that they are the CEO or he is the CEO of the foundation that made the book that is selling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think you know what we're saying. Yeah, this person was smart enough to bamboozle some people. Mm-hmm. Play a long Someone game. Someone had some fun with this. And yeah. Yeah, played a long game, had a little fun, made a little money. And and I and I don't even fault them for that. To me, this is like a really creative way. And and this is I mean, it's interesting. People yeah. have, you know, collected money for worse. <laughs> you know? That's very true. That's very true. And if I'm to subscribe to the hoax theory here, um, it's a it's a fascinating way to tell a story. It's like an ARG meets a narrative, like, or it meets a novel. Um, and so it didn't materialize in the way of a game or a movie, but it did materialize in the way of a, a biography about an individual. And so it's really cool to think about this through that lens, rather than through the, the negative lens of, ah, oh, we were swindled and someone tried to make money off of us. Honestly, that's what every product is. So let's just be real. Uh, think of it more as like, Someone got hands-on with a story and allowed a lot of people in the early days of the internet to live through this story uh, and to engage with the main character of it. And, uh, and that was what made the early internet so special is because everything was new, everything was groundbreaking uh, because it was all, like no one had broken the communication borders like that for, for forever. Right, yeah. So, you know, we, we say when it comes to a hoax, maybe that's the case. But uh, but it's not all so bad if that's the way it goes because yeah, I think that, that's, that's a witty way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting story, and I think that's what is the the real crux of this topic to this day. To keep people this engaged on a topic like this, you you think of like Lord of the Rings, you think of Star Wars, you think of these giant epics. Those are the things that people continue to talk about through the decades, and yeah. then you have a man or a series of individuals on the early internet. And that's still being talked to. That's what makes this so special and so cool to me. Yeah, it's just it's just a different, unique way of telling a story. Right. Uh, but then, obviously, the other theory, simple enough, is that it's true. And that this person is a time traveler. That their theory upholds. And that uh, some of the ways they describe the, the machinations of this time travel device are maybe a bit above our heads. But, uh, but work, uh, theoretically, in that, you know... Their theory of the multiverse is such that uh, their predictions are flexible, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and to me, that's interesting. And and to me, that's what's been so fascinating about, again, people like Nostradamus, people that make predictions that people heavily subscribe to. And then looking back, you can really apply those to modern events, right? The advent of helicopters and airplanes. Uh, there's one that even predicted... Um, the rise and fall of Hitler, but I think he referred to it as Hister or Himmler or something like that. 
It, so it's something like very close. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's another topic for another day. We're cracking into a bunch of topics that we might make episodes on. Let us know yeah. if, you, if you want us to. Um, but it's very interesting. And uh, again, this person, whoever they are, is, is well-versed. Uh, and it, it, but Or maybe it's true and, and this person is just telling the truth. Because the, this technology was supposedly based on the work of Frank Tipler, um, you know, who was responsible for the Tipler cylinder. Hypothetically, a mode of time travel. Again, that's yeah. something I can't simply explain if you're interested, I encourage you to look it up. It's T-I-P-L-E-R. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, but you can do some research on that. It's also on the GiantTiter.com website where they attempt to explain it there with some graphics. Um, but because John Titer said time travel operated off of the multiple world theory, again, this is what allows his proof to be more flexible uh, and allows his evidence, as it were, to substantiate his story. Mm. But... That is the story of John Titer, the internet's first, maybe only, but it's certainly the most famous time traveler. I was not expecting to sit down and hear about a damn time traveler. <laughs> uh, Every week, I'm going to blow your socks off that, something else. That threw me off. I was like, all right, let's see what we're getting into. Yeah. And you're like, time travel. I went, okay, we went off the rails. <laughs> I loved, yeah, we, we started with like you know uh hitman squads we talked about like cryptocurrency yeah. we talked about yeah, we did heists on an airplane with the threat of bombs you know real like concrete stuff and now we're talking about like skinwalker ranch and time travel i really want to push the bounds of of what this uh podcast can talk about because ultimately conspiracies and theories and uh, the cryptids and all of these things come in many different forms and to me yeah. they're all so deeply fascinating um, but hey, if you, in your perusings of the internet, listener, uh, stumble across uh, a mystery that you'd like us to uncover, or maybe you know one already, uh, feel free to tweet us again at RedWebPod, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a five star. We greatly appreciate it because uh, that does a lot to help surface us to new it viewers, really new does. listeners, uh, people who like mysteries like we do. Um, but also, the best thing you could do is word of mouth. If you got a friend who you think would love this show. Uh, we're very grateful, grateful for all the people who have shared the show in many different ways and continue listening. But uh, yeah. we'll see you again next Monday for another mystery. Fredo, we're going to surprise you again. We're going to blow your socks off. It's going to be oh. great. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, I'm about it. It's it's nice that we're just getting away from things that are like grounded and going mm -hmm. like supernatural or like, like with this one time traveling. I, I, I like that back and forth. Yeah. Like, be on both ends of that spectrum. So Sometimes reality can be too scary so sometimes it's uh, yes, it's nice to please. go into the time travel realm the <laughs> alien realm because whether you subscribe to it or not we're going to explore it with uh without as with as little bias as possible mm -hmm. and uh and sometimes that that's a little less scary than what reality can offer you know what i mean yep all right and before we go i want to end with a question uh what would you do if you came across a time traveler is there one question you would ask or one thing that you would ask of them um, does the Fast and the Furious series really end with 11 movies? It's an amazing question, and yeah. I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for another mystery. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>